Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 78. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, he with no name or title, Clint Jones. Clint, how does it feel to be completely anonymous this far into our podcast? It's freeing. Is it? Yeah, I Good. can just wander around society without being seen or heard or <laughs> like noticed. Like Casey Affleck and ghosts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Good. I can just Good. experience life on my own terms. Good. I thought I would take away the pressure this week of telling the world about your accomplishments and just say, you know what? Clint's full of Jesus. He's a humble guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just. I'm full of uh, something. That's he's for here. sure. He's here and, yeah. and he's feeding the multitudes. Uh, Clint, it has been a week, I think, since we talked about Memoria. And I got a bunch of feedback about our theatrical experience. Very little feedback or mention of Memoria itself, <laughs> but just horror story after horror story after horror story. Of their own experiences? Of their own yeah. experiences in the theater. Yeah. And so uh, keep sending those in. They're actually a blast. Yeah, uh, and and I think I think we'll do a like nightmare at the cinema kind of uh, <laughs> a segment at some point. Um, but yeah, definitely funny. And uh, I, I thought some of our things were uncomfortable, but all these poor people out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, through the years, we've definitely had our handful of encounters with yeah. other people yeah. that have been uh, cringy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it'd be fun to hear other people's experiences. This one, I was I was glad that apparently uh, we and, and everyone listening to this are really unified in kind of uh, that feeling of the theater is a sacred place. Uh-huh. And there's just certain... There's certain ethics. There's mm-hmm. certain. There's there's a way you behave in the theater. Yeah, uh, because that that literally is what starts almost every story. Is somebody explaining how they go to the theater uh. <laughs> and then explaining how it didn't happen one time because of you know some rando in the crowd. It'd be funny to get a story from the other person's perspective who don't like <laughs> yeah. adhere to those and they're Dear like Clinton Kim, <laughs> I was having a terrible medical emergency and I had to contact my doctor ASAP. So I pull out my phone in the middle of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, they just don't understand why everyone isn't talking yeah, around yeah, them. Yeah, I'm bleeding out of my eyes, guys. Okay, maybe it's a little more important than the movie right now. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I would I would sort of not want to hear from those people, but at the same time, you're right. Yeah, I, it'd, be, it'd be funny to hear the daringness and like of somebody writing that in, just like <laughs> completely just you know, unaware you know, of their themselves. You know, or somebody <laughs> justifying why they took their five-year-old to see Scream yeah. or, you know, something just wildly inappropriate for right. a child. Like, help me understand Yeah, uh, yeah. that process as a parent, other than the sentence, I'm a bad parent, <laughs> and so. <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder if they're a terrible parent or parent of the year. Oh. Like, that, like, really just want to get them into the movies. Maybe. Like, because I always hear that about, like, filmmakers who are telling their stories, yeah. like, yeah. of how they got into film. They're like, yeah. yeah, my parents would take me to whatever. And, like, and then it just completely shaped their world. And that is kind of. Yeah kind of admirable and and not to tangent but i did the same thing with my son yeah. but i knew him and so there was never a moment <laughs> no you know what i mean i i knew what kind of tolerance he had of yeah. personality so if i'm taking him to the theater i understand he's going to behave a certain way and i'm not going to scare him or upset him with whatever i'm challenging him with right and if i miscalculate and i do i'm going to get up and walk out of the theater with mm-hmm. him because i'm not there just to finish the movie, you know, it's it's this father-son experience. So, so I think there is a way to do that uh, that might still get you some looks, but... Uh, 
Is it weird that I have to have that like thought and <laughs> experience with my wife when I take her to the movies? Because <laughs> like I have to kind of go see it first and yeah. see if she can handle it. She she just likes her her uh, comedies and yeah. uh, sometimes branching out is difficult. Well, you know what are you going to do? Yeah. If somebody's like, shut that six year old up, hold. Uh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, Clint. Well, it has been a fun couple of weeks. What you've been watching about? Well, I've been really just um, watching the things we've been uh, assigning ourselves. So, <laughs> and I understand that. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, this week we're talking about Avatar: The Way of Water, mm-hmm. which I believe clocks in at four hours and eighteen minutes. Um, Why was my experience like five and a half? Probably because you watched the five hour and 36 minute cut. <laughs> oh, I wow. also went back and watched the six hour and 18 minute cut. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a long flick. So, so I hear you. Go yeah. on. <laughs> so I, I've been limited in the things that like were extracurricular. Um, but the one one movie that I watched, I rented this. It was kind of I never heard of this movie. I I kind of picked it at random, thinking the trailer looked cool and it could be something right up my alley. This always works. Yes, and this is called <laughs> I'm an Electric Lampshade. And yep, that's the exact movie I would have picked for you. <laughs> I've never heard of it, but like that sounds like a Clint Jones yeah. movie. Well, the trailer was really promising, and this was in. Um, I'm going to read this like the quick synopsis of this: um, a story about Doug, a mild-mannered retired accountant who puts his marriage and life savings on the line to chase his lifelong fantasy of being a rock star. And <laughs> okay. this the, the the trailer like really sells it because it like it builds it as. This is a true. This is a documentary, okay. and this is about this guy who really has had this lifelong dream of being a rock star, and he he has talent, and but he's been just an accountant his entire life, and now that he's retiring, like he's kind of retiring young, um, but and he's going to just go for it and just do this thing, and like in the trailer, like they really show like man, he makes this transformation from this mild mannered guy into like a very believable. Like kind of like Brian Eno-y, uh, glam rock, like like rock star, and the trailer like like it kind of it, it hints at that this is a larger than life like they're very like um, embellishing things and it's getting it fictionalizes things to just like kind of like to a surreal degree or yeah, to like okay. to make a surreal point and but it's based on reality okay but. Man, I came across like away from this wondering like was any of this real? Like was this just like there was the truth of this is there was this guy and it, when he was old he wrote a song. <laughs> <laughs> That's based on a true story. Yeah, like well yeah. it doesn't do that but it like it, the beginning is like it's very um believable in mm-hmm. the documentary style of it. And but then like watching interviews with this guy and like hearing more about it it's just like it, it's very well done in like the visuals of it, but it also like it left me like very empty in the like what it was trying to get across about like at this point in your life, you can kind of reinvent yourself. Right. And like I like that and that was really cool, but like it gets so surreal and the visuals become so um, hyper like reality and fictionalized like away from the documentary style that you I just stopped believing and caring about it because it was like like the, Michelle Gondry style or more than well just like in the world of like 
let's say like glam rock or rock oh, okay. rock videos. Like yeah. it's it's nothing that you haven't ever seen before, mm-hmm. but it just gets so away from reality that they set up at the beginning that I just kind of stopped losing. I started losing interest, and then of course it builds towards like his career as at a certain point, and he gets to do this lifelong dream of this big concert, and it was just so like kind of hokey, and like fans are in a very fake way throwing themselves at him, like where it's just like it's not. It's clearly this is not based on any truth or reality that like this guy went through. It's like it it just kind of left me wanting. I wish they had stuck to even if it was fake, Mm -hmm. like to the documentary style of it, like of an actual person. Like there's bits of it throughout. Yeah. um, Because like the whole time he's dealing with like he's away from his wife the entire time because he's going after this dream and he's like points where he's feeling guilty about leaving her behind by doing and like those moments are cool but it just gets so far out there in the visual style that i just wanted more from the like a more um reality to it like documentary style reality um i will say like yeah i I don't know like there's a couple song numbers in it that are like actually pretty good some of it's very kind of generic edm like what a like 60 year old guy would think is cool. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it, it kind of nails that, that approach. And, uh, I enjoyed it, but I, I don't know. I, I was hoping for more, especially since I actually paid to rent it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, first thing I watched, I, I don't know if you know, this all started with an article and I was reading and, uh, we had just done our episode with movies from 1988. Mm-hmm. And so I was reading this article and it was explaining, it was, it was really going in depth and explaining how after 1988 comes 1989. And Strange. so it's weird. Yeah, so yeah. I went and I, uh, I decided to finally watch a horror movie from 1989 that I sort of remember mm-hmm. from childhood, but also I, I don't feel like the more I tried to go and grasp it in my memory, yeah. I was like. Yes, I watched that, but have I actually watched it? And it's 1989's Pumpkinhead oh, with okay. Lance Hendrickson. Have uh, you seen? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, it, it was good fun. It was mm-hmm. good 80s fun, and I'm really glad I watched it. But my first takeaway before I get to what it was and what I thought, my first takeaway is this is the movie that needs a remake. Yeah. Of, of all the things in, in horrordom mm-hmm. that gets talked about, uh, this is the kind of movie where it's got a really good concept. It's got a really good lead actor. Uh, it's got some cool creature effects and yeah. things like that. But then immediately, as soon as you meet the teenagers that this creature is going to be killing off, you're just like, oh, please, please, please <laughs> let this movie end. Um, and it just – it, but but it's such a great concept. It's this idea of this this guy – uh, his son is accidentally killed by this group of teenagers. They're mm-hmm. out riding their dirt bikes and they accidentally pop a hill and, oh, there's this little kid and smash. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in this Appalachian uh, or or Bayou culture, wherever it is, mm-hmm. uh, there is this, this super old crone witch mm. that can summon uh, this thing called Pumpkinhead, which is the spirit or demon of vengeance. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to go and eradicate you know whoever's wronged this man and that's that's the premise yeah and so it's it's got a little bit of Hellraiser it's got a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street it's got a little bit of Alien to mm-hmm. it um, it's it's a a mean lean little flick without the lean yeah it's, it's just like man these teenagers <laughs> like, I wanted to kill these teenagers and um, 
halfway through, you know, the the plot is really the dad has a, a change of heart and realizes he's gone too far and now he wants to stop this. Oh, okay. This yeah. creature. And so mm-hmm. he's trying to save the people that, you know, killed his son, which mm-hmm. is a really interesting yeah. uh, a, a kind of emotional bundle that they don't really deal with very well. Um, but this this spawned a sequel or two. I haven't watched those. Um but yeah, this is this is worth watching. This is not a recommend as far as, you know, I did with like The Blob from 89 or anything like that. It's just it's one of those it's got some good stuff to it. It's got some terrible stuff to it, but this is the kind of horror movie that needs remade. Yeah. Because uh, I I feel like this is kind of a flawed cult classic mm-hmm. that could really it has the bones to be something really impressive and modern and new and and good. Hmm. Um uh, so so yeah, that was that was Pumpkinhead for me. That was that's been on my list for a couple years to watch. That like you know on Shutter or whatever yeah. in my watch list. Yeah, just haven't yet. So yeah. maybe I will just for curiosity's sake do that. And in reality, I I ended up on that uh, through Shutter because there was this other flick leave that came up and it mm. was new uh, about this baby that's found wrapped in uh, a blanket with occult symbols on it. And then you know fast forward. 18 years to this kid trying to find out why it was left in a uh, this girl trying to figure out why she was left in a, a graveyard with a you know pagan symbols all over her blanket it was terrible was and, she the uh, antichrist in the end no okay no, she was not the well no no because there's been a lot of like especially like uh animated series about like yeah oh, i'm the uh, antichrist and, and yeah. you know the shenanigans around that no that i also watched <laughs> a movie called consecration with uh-huh. jenna malone that's that movie. <laughs> um, but uh, that that also is not worth talking about here. So Conse- Consecration, Leave, man, skip those. But but Pumpkinhead, uh, there's, there's, something, yeah. there's something there in that little, fun in there. That little guy. Mm-hmm. He just, if he could just grow up, that would, that would be something. What else are you watching, Clint? <laughs> the only other thing I've really been watching um, is I've been going back through um, the – from 2003, 2004 Battlestar Galactica show. Yes. Um, It was one that when it was out, I was really into and I I really liked. And so I was curious if, especially from that time period, because it's not that long ago, but now it kind of is. (laughs) It's a strange, because I can remember it clearly, but like now it... um, yeah, it is kind of getting uh, back there, um, but it still like holds up pretty well. I mean, even from the time like at, when it came out, the effects weren't the greatest because you know it was like a sci-fi channel show, mm-hmm. and there's moments in it still where like um, they're questionable, like just some of the effects. But like overall, the um, the story is still really great and intriguing. Like I really love the groundedness of the world, and like it kind of just feels like this space submarine movie. Yeah. And uh, the characters are still really interesting. Um, actually, I'm surprised by how many of the effects kind of still work. Like a lot of the space um, battles are still pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's just the Cylons. They even then they were really yeah. kind of bad. Um, the production design, like the practical production design, I think really holds up. Yeah, yeah. It looks like the interiors of the ships yeah. and and For all sure. of that looks really good, which I think makes it a little more jarring when you see these metal CG monstrosities very shiny clanking down the yeah yeah the hall. and very detached from yeah. like the the world around them, yeah. but. Um, for the most part, it still really holds up, and like just story wise, it's still really good. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. How far are you? I'm into the second season. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. 
right. I, I was surprised. I forgot it was only four seasons. Yeah. It was a really quick, like, in and out, like, yeah. tell the story. Well, and season two, three, and four all have where they feel like two seasons in one. Because yeah. they have distinct right. story arcs. And, and so it feels like there's a lot more season material. Well, also, there is, like, the miniseries before. Yeah. Like, so that's, like, two full feature-length movies that kind of open it up. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's more to it than just four seasons, yeah. but it's if you haven't seen it, it's it's worth checking out. It's still really good is. fun. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I watched. Uh, f- don't even ask for the convoluted story of how, but I went back and watched uh, it chapter one and it chapter two. I saw that in your Amazon. Did you? You spying <laughs> on me, Clint? Uh, no, I watched. I watched it chapter one and it chapter two, and uh, you know the plot. Uh, there's this entity beneath dairy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, part one takes place with little kids fighting this thing. And then they come back together 27 years later in part two as adults to, to finish the job. Um, this was one where when it, when it first came out, I loved chapter one and was really, really disappointed with chapter two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've always been a really big fan of the book and, Long story short, I mean, the real reason I I came back to these is because we ended up watching Children of the Corn and Mr. Harrigan's Phone and mm-hmm. other Stephen King things that, for better or worse, sent me to It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. Um, and, and my takeaway was just that It Chapter 1 uh, was a little uh, more problematic and, mm. and flawed than I remembered it being. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it as much. And It Chapter 2, I think I've softened on. It, it, was, it was a little better for me. Huh. Uh, without uh, kind of the expectations I had going in the first time, uh, it's still a, a, you know it's a solid overall. Uh, it's it's a net good, mm-hmm. um, but it, it really goes to something that I'm going to end up talking about later, which is just uh, even even it chapter one and two, which kind of goes really far out there in capturing the visuals of what Stephen King is trying to accomplish in his more surreal horror moments. Uh huh. It it just doesn't go that extra step. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that still um, did not cease to disappoint me, especially when you have something like It Chapter Two, which there's literally a scene of adults freaking out as fortune cookies erupt as eggs into uh-huh. these little creatures. That's a far more ridiculous scene than what happens later in the book that they chose not to go into. Sort right. of the surreal kind of dash space in between mm-hmm. realities and stuff like that. That's the stuff I wanted to see because all you got to do is be creepy and weird and you really can't go wrong on indescribable horror. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whereas fortune cookies sprouting legs and wings, that's – that to me, uh, that's what I would have cut mm-hmm. as the filmmaker because you're in a brightly lit Chinese restaurant. It's and just silly. It's at, silly. Yeah. And, and in the book, it is not. In the book, it's just this very disgusting – weird creepy yeah. moment mm-hmm. um i and it's so funny because it's it's practically the same scene but on the screen it just does not right. work yeah it's unintentionally funny uh and on the printed page it, it somehow does mm-hmm. uh, and i have never been afraid of fortune cookies nor things coming out <laughs> of fortune cookies but it still works in the book for me so uh yeah that's that's my little it chapter one and chapter two revisit um i did not fast forward through it and i found both movies to be an easier slog than Avatar The Way of Waters, eight Jumping hour the shark and 13 there. minutes. Uh, Man, just diving in. Know. We haven't even Sorry. got to it yet. Sorry. I, I have strong feelings. I have several bones. I have nine hours and 12 minutes of bones to pick with Avatar The Way of Water. 
Um, and I just, it's, it's itching at my brain, but we'll get to that. Uh, what we do need to get to though, is something that we have not done, yeah. uh, this whole season yeah. uh, that the show has been airing. It's up to, I just watched episode six this morning. It's one we've covered every season that's existed. The Mandalorian. I think it's time for a little Mandalorian minute. Okay. Mandalorian so Clint, I am very curious what your experience thus far with Mandalorian season three is. I think I already know. I don't think this is going to be hailed as the next Andor. What do you what do you what do you think of uh, old Mando this season? Well, I, I haven't seen today's episode, so I am one episode behind. Um, so no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. No spoilers. Baby Grogu Coos. <laughs> Mando still doesn't take his helmet off. I'm sorry. There you go. Spoilers. <laughs> I, I went ahead and blew it all for everybody. So go ahead, Clint. <sighs> um, so I, I, I went in hopeful just like to see if somehow yeah. they maybe – like brought in some new elements or lost some elements that I wasn't enjoying. Um, so I went in, like, I, I, w- I really wasn't interested, uh, but I... I well, and, and season two kind of turned us around a little bit. We still <sighs> thought it was it was Star Wars light and it was really hit or miss. But season two did turn around for me towards the end much more than season one. So I was I was actually looking a little forward to season I feel three. like season two, by the end, I was almost back where I started with one. Like okay, I, feel, I must misremember I how you tracked through that. I feel like, uh, maybe I'm remembering wrong, I feel like the beginning of the season had got me a little bit more on board okay. and then I got lost. I, I thought what lost you was the Book of Boba Fett, the two episodes where it was the Mandalorian. And maybe that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. It's all blurring it's, it's together. Blur. It's a blur. It's not Andor. Go on. But I, no, this is. I'm not on. No, this is terrible. I'm not on board with it. Like it's doing all the same things I hated. Um, I feel like it's even more off track now that it's just like the, all the Grogu stuff is like settled, and he's just with him. Like yeah. it's not like there's no mission him. statement to this. It all like the thing I keep walking away from. Like it all feels like B plot to another show. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I gotta go over there and get this such and such. Like, get my ship look at that, and like, okay, I'm gonna f- find my way over to the waters of Mandor so I can like <laughs> to to get <laughs> like re um whatever uh, <laughs> re mythosword re mythosword. I gotta get like some. So I'm not an apostate anymore. I, it's just like, it's like, it feels like in a video game, we're just like, you're just doing these things, but it's not leading anywhere. Clint, I absolutely can't wait to watch the new episode. <sighs> the new episode is such a series of video game cutscenes. It is literally, they show up on a planet. The mm-hmm. planet has a problem with droids. They're hired to go take care of the droids in exchange for the thing they really need that will move the plot along. So they go and they go on this trek through, uh, you know, cameos and and actors that you're instantly like, oh, that guy pops uh-huh. up, and uh, and it's 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 this wildly uh, C D plot little excursion. And and I've read and I know people like this idea of. Uh, just uh, a bounty hunter being a bounty hunter kind of thing. But that's not what this is no. to me because <laughs> the whole story has been set up as Lone Wolf and, Club and Cub. Right. And it's 
it's now trying to be that thing. It's also trying to be uh, the animated Clone Wars season seven, or you know, it's it's continuing and seems much more interested with uh, the storylines from the animated series and setting up uh, nuggets to lead to episode seven, eight, nine. Then it seems to be with its own central characters and story. Yeah. Like if you wanted to make it like story of the week kind of thing and you could just go do those other things, like, but it just hasn't picked a lane in any way. No. It just feels like him wandering around and like doing these things, but it's never leading. Like I thought maybe once he got to, um, is it man? I did say that right, it's right? Man, I think it's Mandalore. Mandalore. I believe. Not Mandor, Mandalore. Yeah get there like that was the moment where it like sets him on this path yeah. but it, he does that and then it's just he just goes back to them and is like okay i did it yeah. and i and they're like okay cool here's your next piece of whatever armor like, or ship part yeah or it's so video gamey yeah. and yeah. there's like these little nuggets of cool things in the show yeah. like when he's on mandalore and there's like this robot creature that he kind that of encounters. Was great. Yeah. It looked so cool. It kind of reminded me of, um, oh, what was that movie? Uh, oh, it reminded me of something anyway. And um, and I, that stuff was kind of cool. But it's it's really it's just it's when it comes down to it, it's really nothing. It's yeah. just this thing he comes against for yeah. a moment and man, just enough to raise questions and then leave it. Yeah. Exactly. And and you're just like, well, can we hang out with that thing for a little bit more? Yeah, that was way more. That weird creature thing was way more interesting. Yeah. Like, just let Mando, Mando go up the steps. Let's just stay in this room <laughs> for an episode. Yeah, yeah. And it's just getting more and more into the, like, the Gogru's, like, being more, like, it's just becoming more comical and ridiculous, like, as he's flipping around and stuff. And he's, like, they're hinting at he's going to start saying words. And you're yeah. just like, that's going to be awful. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, what have you thought about this other than what you've already said? Uh, my my big thing is the video gaminess of it. My big thing is the aimlessness of it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also take away Grogu this season and call it the Mandalorians. And then it would make sense to me yeah. why, but but it it really frustrates me setting up a main character, and then you never remove his helmet, mm -hmm. you never find out anything about him. I feel like we set up plot lines of how he was found, and he's not actually Mandalorian, and he became yeah. this Mandalorian. That's a way interesting, more interesting story, and that actually in my mind connects to okay, he's adopted this youngling that is alien to him. And, you know, go explore that. Um, well, and, and I like the, the Bo-Katan. I like the idea of other Mandalorians and trying to reclaim their planet. But it doesn't have a function on, on our main character. It doesn't have a, a function on Din Djarin. It feels like he's just sort of running around. That's what it is. So it is a video game. But it's like you're the character in the video game that's the NPC. Uh -huh. Like you're running yeah. plots and quests for the main characters. Yeah. Nothing about this season doesn't feel like Bo-Katan is not the main character. Mm -hmm. But yet we keep going to Mando as if he's the main character. And even to the point of now her helmet's off this episode. Yeah. And so how, you know, she walks in with him fully helmeted and I'm looking at these two and she's the main character. I'm seeing her eyes. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm connected to her. Well, that's what I was She's just a bodyguard. I was really hoping in that one moment at the end of the last episode, not the one that currently, yeah. where she, like, uh, what's her name? The one who's kind of the... The, the armor. The armor. Yeah. 
like it realized that she's the way to bring in other Mandalorians yeah. and like she's this midpoint, like that she can go out and bring the people who are kind of apostates in and we can grow. Yeah. That like this would be like this change in the show where like that rule is just thrown out or something. Yeah. And then like the Mandalorian just like like this this rule is not important anymore. Yeah. And that and that's another thing about like the lore of the Mandalorians. Yeah. It's like they don't go into any of it outside of that. That's I just the, want to know how they wash their face, Clint. <laughs> I just want to know. Well, you, you know, when they eat, they have to go off by it's themselves. Just I, I picture it all being a lot of straws <laughs> up the helmet. Is Even though the, this season they've started like the which yeah. means they couldn't even do a straw. Right. Uh, and, I mean, it's apparently airtight because they yeah. can go out into space yeah. and, yeah. like, okay, how's that work? But then they can just lift it and stick food in there. But they don't go into any of the other lore around Mandalore and like, or the society and how it works. The yeah. only thing they mention is, like, yeah, we can't take our helmets off and we yeah. say this is the way a lot. Yeah. And, it, and like, they don't use conjunctions. <laughs> they say, I will. They never I, say, Al. <laughs> I will. But so, like, if you're going to focus on this society and like yeah. how it worked, let's go into it. And, like, there's got to be more yeah. depth to it than what we're showing. I actually had a moment of hope in episode five. I, I kind of came to life when it was the them coming out. Uh, but all that moment needed, that would have been incredibly powerful and in a game-changing moment if the armor had taken her helmet off. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. I wanted, and, like, a couple others start taking yep. it off. And it's just like— I get what they're going for, Bo-Katan taking her helmet off, but, like, this is just the woman who had her helmet on right, for a day. exactly. Why is everyone so shocked that she takes it and off? And she so quickly gave you know? in to that, like, she's going to have it on again. Yeah, yeah. Like— Well, uh, she, she saw the dinosaur, Clint. Well, yeah. And in the Star Wars universe, when something's extinct in a galaxy full of millions of planets— <laughs> Uh, apparently it stays extinct and it really blows your religious little mind if you see right. a dinosaur underwater. You just don't just think like, maybe what? it never was extinct at yeah. all. Yeah. Uh, and I love how the whole plot of that, sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> the whole plot of that is, are the waters toxic or not? They go into the waters, they say they're not toxic, but she just happens to see this mythological creature and her first thought is not, the waters are toxic. Right. It just poisoned me. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm now seeing things that don't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, it should have intensified her skepticism uh, based on the rules of the plot set up. Right. Uh, it just, this season's been very disappointing to me. I, I can't wait till you see this next episode because this is the most, I, I would quit the video game. Yeah. Because it feels yeah. so video gamey mm -hmm. based on this last one. And the last one is more of a return to form. I think actually people are going to be like, oh, finally the Mandalorian's back. They will probably like this episode and has, you know, some decent stuff in it. Um, but I I feel like they're trying to really highlight the cultural differences of these different species and groups. Mm -hmm. But they're doing it in the most basic way possible. And Grogu is now just a – it's a prop. It's literally – Yeah, to make cute faces and – and let's, we're not even talking about that one episode that just diverges and starts telling like this side story about these characters <laughs> yeah, that we met for two, that met for two yeah. seconds at the beginning of the entire series that yeah. like, why are we supposed to care about any, like what they're doing at all? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, and, and just on top of that, there are moments this season more than any other Star Wars, anything I've ever seen. It really feels like kids taking a, a yeah. camcorder into the yeah. backyard and making a little Star Wars I've had fan that film. Feeling too. When there's that little uh, 
test of might or whatever between Grogu and the little Mandalorian yep. kid. Yeah. Yeah. That was the most clunky, boxy, <laughs> horribly choreographed mm -hmm. little action beat I've ever seen. <laughs> They're like literally. standing like three feet away from each other. They're like challenge. And they're just Pop -pop. like, oh. Yeah. And look, this is it. This is how Mandalorian kids fight. I wanted like a full Spartan. Right, you know, you're like dodging and like jumping around, like yeah, even though yeah. I don't want to see Gogur jump around, no, but it still would have been more interesting yeah. what happened. But show me two Mandalorian kids tearing each other apart. Now all of a sudden you're putting Grogu up against this kid, and he just stands there and he shoots his little paintballs, and Grogu just force hovers him and shoots yeah. him back at him. Even that's stupid. But like, give me something instead of this. Oh, it was horrible. I'm so realizing bad. I say his name different every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> Not Grogu, Gogu, I, I want to go on record calling Mandalorian Season 3 cosplay the show. It's just <laughs> cosplay the series. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's... Actually, I feel like cosplayers or like fans would make a more interesting thing. 100%. And I actually now regret saying that because yeah. I feel like cosplayers put way more work into their Mandalorian armors than what I'm seeing on this show, yeah. where it's just like, oh, and that guy back there has a backstory because he's wearing red, orange, green, blue. It just, uh, yep. he's got a blue helmet and an <laughs> orange arm and a red chest plate. And it feels like extra, like it was feeling really silly to me, like when you have the whole group of Mandalorians around and like they're, they're, they're talking about their culture in this way that like it's existed for so long and we're so like, um, devoted to it and stuff, but they look like just like this biker gang who don't know how to take their helmets back yep. off. Yeah, like because it's just uh, it, uh, well. It, and at this point, I hope they don't take their helmets off because their faces just have to be pocked and scabbed, and <laughs> they just gotta very have pale, just full clear cell nightmare commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because. Um, yeah, yeah they seen just the look sun. like dead fish. Yeah, <laughs> when like they pull. Goo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're enjoying the Mandalorian season three, I'm sorry, yeah. but I just I don't get it, and and certainly uh, I I don't think I would be enjoying it that much more. But it does not help that this is coming after Andor, which I think at least shows you can do Star Wars at a certain quality level. And I don't need Mandalorian to be super serious and dramatic. I'm not saying that. It no, just, I just like a plot line. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a level of quality. If you have, you know, a multi-billion dollar franchise uh, owned by the largest studio in the world or one of, I just, I, I, I expect that to surpass a certain bar rather than, uh, what feels like a bunch of friends at a bar coming up with, uh, you know, wouldn't it be cool if uh, there was a Mandalorian and he raised a little Yoda and and we got to hear what the Ugnots sound like? Don't you want to hear the Ugnots, Clint? Ugh. Well, I, I the only thing I would have just loved, like, been fine if he at the beginning of this series took the offer to be basically the um the chief of police on this on yeah, the planet yeah. like where he's yeah. in the sheriff and that was the thing yeah. like and he gets yeah. the other mandalorians to come there because they yeah. have their own like i i enjoyed that part of that one episode where they're fending off the pirates even though i completely hate that they're so on the nose with the pirates it yeah. looks like pirates of the caribbean oh yeah like why can't why do we have to oh, be yeah. so literal with it all yeah like yeah, come on yeah. like we get the okay they're pirates Clint, they had spaceships clint <laughs> They had spaceships, okay? 
Pirates of the Caribbean had boats. One had boats, one had spaceships. It's me, Jack Space Sparrow. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, that's The Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, we'll see if we dare do another Mandalorian minute, but man, I think we I should am, at the end of the season. I'm, just I'm to okay like... with that. I'm just, I'm only watching to see what happens. And it, like, I have no hope that they're going to write the ship. It just, it, it's a mess. It's, it's a, it's a garbage yeah. fire. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to interrupt here okay. before we move on to our main uh, course of movie uh, reviews. Okay. And so I have a bit of a, um, um, you mailbag segment for Wait, a second. Somebody sent you something. Somebody sent me something. This is how did you track Clint down? <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, this, this is, is one incredible. of my my best friends who is a he is very into the podcast and he's oh. always saying very nice things. And okay, um, is he just being nice to you or is he actually like you? I, well, I'm hoping he's actually being sincere. I okay. think he is. Okay. Um, this is exciting. I have this is a message I haven't read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And, okay. and this is directed at you specifically. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. I knew there was a trap when you suddenly wanted to read something since So <laughs> well, yeah. I mean it came to me, but he took take some umbrage with uh something that you said at of the course, end. Of course, because you're reading it. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't bring an email in here or a message from somebody who enjoys my presence. It's uh, a no, he, en- he enjoys your presence. He enjoys this me. is just something specific. Okay. 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 So this <laughs> This is... Is this what it feels like when I do this to you? I think so. It kind of puts you on edge. This is weird. So, okay, this... The the title of this is, in all caps, it says, It's not the Taliban. (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth, you've met my friend Matt. This is my friend Matt. Um, And, okay, so it says, Kenneth, I'm writing to express a beef I have with something you said at the tail end of episode 76 on the Cinebabble, Cinebabble, I can't even say our own name. It's the title of our podcast, Clint. On the Cinebabble podcast, at the timestamp, one hour, 46 minutes, and five seconds. Is this about Rambo 3? You make the statement that that's one, (laughs) that's the one with the tally. Yes, Rambo 3. (laughs) That's the one with the Taliban in Afghanistan, Afghanistan arming the Taliban fighters, and it's super uncomfortable to watch today because they are taking talking about the heroic Taliban. No, 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 no. I am from the future. Be careful. This is what he says. I, I was raised on Rambo 1, 2, and 3. The others are not authentic, and thus I disavow their existence. He had no mother or father. He was in a room, <laughs> yeah, barbarian with a screen. style, it was, yeah. where somebody had kept him, but all Skin he had— Skin style. It's just nope. an empty, dark house. Rambo with, 1, 2, and yeah. 3. I, I love this yeah. mental image. And your statement caused me great anguish, <laughs> as it is not an accurate portrayal of history, and your implications are reckless. <laughs> The Taliban, which was established in 1994 and has no bearing whatsoever on the people portrayed in Rambo 3 as the Mahajadeen. 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 Mahajadeen, I believe. Mahajadeen, yeah. I may be wrong, too. You know, you're right. Uh, um, Mahajadeen. The character (laughs) Masood, played by the Greek Greek actor uh, Spirofocus, was named after Mahajadeen. Commander Ahmad Shah Mahood, I'm so sorry. I love that he put all of these names in here for you to have to read. Who fought the Soviets and later the Taliban. From from Wikipedia, (laughs) Ahmad Shah 
Shah Mahmood, September 2nd from 1953 to September 9th, 2001, was an Afghan uh, politician and military commander. He was a powerful uh, guerrilla commander during the resistance against the Soviet uh, occupation between 1979 and 1989. In the 1990s, he led the government military wing against uh, rival militia after the Taliban takeover. He was a leading opposite commander against the regime until his assassination in 2001. (laughs) So wait, the guy in Rambo 3 is based on a real dude? I guess so. What? Yeah. As you can now see, the Mahajadeen fighters in the Rambo 3 are actually the antithesis of the Taliban, and misnaming them can cause an emotional disengagement from any future viewers of Rambo 3. In conclusion, I understand that you are human, and as a human, you are flawed. (laughs) I would try my best to harbor, I would try my best not to harbor any resentment and would appreciate a retraction to be released ASAP. I am an avid listener to your podcast, and and recently my 10 year old son was dubbed, has dubbed Cinebabble his second favorite podcast, his first being Story Pirates. (laughs) If you ever want to get to his number one spot, I think you should know what you need to do. I think. Culture appropriation is is a terrible thing. Go on, Clint. He ends this with, you do you, Ken. You do you. <laughs> Sincerely, Matt. I That's actually mind-blowing. He says, um, love you guys. I have I have watched Rambo 3 also <laughs> since I was a child. I was not raised on it, but I have watched it an embarrassing number of times. I have a lot of love for Rambo 3, particularly the uh, closing the wound scene in the, <laughs> down in the cave. Uh, but no, I just, I, I always thought, Man, what an uncomfortably dated film. Mushahuddin apparently is like a blanket statement for different fighters of that time who gotcha. fought under, okay. who were guerrilla, kind of doing guerrilla warfare and were against, you know, the uh, the regimes at the time. And I guarantee you, I saw that as like a one minute video on Instagram years ago or read it in a cracked article mm-hmm. and have just believed it ever since. And so my apologies to the non-Talibanese uh, Afghanis. Who, man, this is not going well. <laughs> you need a, a sincere apology to Matt I, I, himself. D- well, to Matt, you yeah, know, just... I'm I'm sorry that I insulted uh, your father, Rambo Three. <laughs> um, I definitely didn't mean to mislabel him as a, as an inappropriate terrorist sympathizer. I think that is pretty. It's pretty harsh, especially going out at your dad like that, that raised yeah. you. Um, I mean, we got to beat out Story Pirate, so we need to get yeah. the viewers that, or listeners that I do we have. That. But but in fairness, I, I believe you said his son is 10. Yeah. So just, you know, once he gets 12, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see who's on top at 12. That's true. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've never listened to Story Pirates. It might be amazing. Story Pirates is one of the most addictive podcasts in all. I've never listened to I have no idea. <laughs> Your face, though, when I started down I that really line. thought you may have, like, be, it might be something I'm just <laughs> I not. I have no a, idea. Yeah. It's, it's probably a very quality podcast. No, I'm just, sure. It's, I, I mean, his it. son is very, uh, has good taste. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's probably excellent. But yeah, unfortunately, that is the, uh, that's the consequence of doing uh, weekly to our podcasts and uh, just can't get every sentence right. But that actually, it, it warms my heart because that means I can return to Rambo 3, the Rambo 3 family. The Rambo Three Fold, mm-hmm. without uh, feeling guilty about watching it now. Um, they were on a righteous quest, so yeah. well, that makes I'm, me feel a lot better. I apologizing for probably slaughtering every name in that. Yeah, it was it was pretty racist, Clint. <laughs> I was... did not intend to be racist. <laughs> I just mean uh, me being uh, not very well. Uh, 
you know, cultured in the names of that no, region. No, you're good. Uh, today we're talking about a number of movies, but finally, at long last, Clint and I have come to Avatar: The Way of Water. We're we are finished complaining about a movie that we haven't seen. We both uh, watched it and decided if, that we're going to talk about it, and it, we we literally watched. Every minute of this 10 hour and 82 minute 12 film. hours, 55 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not because Sinatron threatened us in no, any way no, no, with no. like global uh, catastrophe. Nothing, it nothing was like just that. on our own terms. Yeah. 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 So uh, just to get started, box office giant of 2.31 <laughs> $2. billion dollars, Clint. Avatar and that's the way just of breaking water. even, probably yeah, for him yeah. making Honestly, this. Honestly, they had to make two billion just to break even. <sighs> They've been saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, director James Cameron brings us the long-awaited follow-up to the original Avatar, both of which cards on the table. Clint and I are not fans of. Uh, here's <clears> the plot: Jake Solly has formed a family and is doing everything he can to keep his family together. However, he must leave his home and explore the outer regions of Pandora. When an ancient threat resurfaces, Jake must fight a difficult war against the humans and prove that his clan, his family, is worthy of new companions. Clint. Dearest, dearest Clint. Dear Ken, yes. What did you think of Oscar-nominated, Best Picture-nominated Avatar The Way of War? What did it win for? What was it? Was it up for Best Picture? Yes. Okay. It was up for Best Picture. It won, I believe, visual effects and maybe one of the sound... Yeah. Uh, awards, I, kind of the tech awards. Um, I can you, see that. You, you can see it. I can it. see it. What do you think of Avatar? Does this giant list of questions that I wrote have, like, anything to, like... Clint like, just showed me his phone, and it literally <laughs> has a bold heading that says Avatar questions. <laughs> and then this long list of questions after it. I was doing He's my due kidding. diligence while watching, like, because, like, I needed some way to pass the time while, like, something to do to, like, keep my mind active while watching this. Yeah. I had to watch this in chunks because I was just so disinterested. I, um... Okay, so uh, my overall impression was it was exactly the feeling I had from the first one mm-hmm. where, like, I just don't care about this world. I don't believe the, um, like, how it functions or the this, like, this alien world and, like, the ecosystem of it. I don't, it, like, just to me in nature doesn't, didn't form like how nature forms. Um, so I was just like, I just kept getting disconnected and in that way would just have these, like, like, how does this work? Like one, one question, like maybe this is something they answered in the first one is why are there these giant land masses just floating? Is this just a visual flare or is there like some gravitational <sighs> thing in these places? I am not the one to answer this, but I think it has something to do with the unobtainium Okay. Uh, Something is like it makes the, them lighter. The thing that they're my, I, I do not know though. Please don't send letters about Avatar. No. I'm, I'm doing my, my best I, I to was, try to defend something I don't something, even like. <laughs> like I, I was giving it the benefit of the doubt that there's, that was something I forgot from the first movie. But to me, it, it just felt like something, like it was this visual flair of something they wanted in there. So then they, they will, they justify it with, like the unatanium. Um, But yeah, it's just like the entire time I just like, I just don't believe what's happening. I don't care about the characters particularly. Like once it gets settled into the main, like, okay, they're now with this new culture. The water tribe. The water tribe. I'm like, 
I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm kind of getting invested in some of the wildlife, like the whales and things. Like, they're kind of fine. <laughs> but the entire time, I'm just like, just disinterested. And I think there's no level of somebody explaining how things function that is going to get me over the edge of not being disinterested. Where are you with this? So this was actually more, I I had built my mind up to thinking that it will be better. That There has to be something that will give me more of a feeling than I had after the first one, because I was just, I I was baffled when everybody loved the first one. And I just, I saw it and it was fine. And the effects were really impressive for the time, but I just couldn't get over how basic of a story it was and how I could not get, like you said, behind the uh, the biology and the, yeah. the creature science and all of that. It just didn't read real to me. It read fantasy. <laughs> and um, it reads like a lot of the time, multiple animals, like this thing drives me crazy where they're just slapping animals that we know together. Yeah. yeah. And then you can see those bits and pieces yeah. and it's just like, yeah. you're not coming up with something that would actually be otherworldly. Yeah. And and this was actually more disappointing to me. Yeah. Now the the visual effects, and let's just say this right up front, are at times stunning. At times. At times. And I will say at times. At times it is shockingly photoreal, especially when you're talking about environmental stuff and water effects and things like that. I still now let me ask you this. Did you have an easier time with the visual believability of the water tribe? Because they look different. Uh, no. I had a much easier time believing they exist. It was the, the – their skin tone uh, was more natural. Their their arms were thicker. Mm-hmm. And so there was there was a little bit more believability to me when I was seeing them in motion. I, I mean that, that, that worked fine. But like yeah. the thing that drove me crazy, the once they get to the water tribe and – the look of them, like I, 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 okay, I understand it why they did it, um, but it was so much blue. Yeah, yeah. it was just over, and it was oh so oversaturated. Blue on top of it was teal, blue on, on top, top of cyan, so on top it, of it's all right. shades of blue and blue green. And like in the in the um, forest in the um, jungle, yeah, you have. <coughs> sorry, all right, you have. I get choked up over Avatar <laughs> too. You have the blue against the green and you yeah. have the flora and the fauna that's like breaking that up. But yeah. when you're on a blue ocean with blue characters and then in like blue, especially when you're under the water, when yeah. everything's washed out by the color of water, man, it's just so much blue that it was just like, yeah. I was just like, it was kind of lulling me to sleep in this yeah. way. Like I was just like bored by yeah. it. It was too much of the same. I, I loved when the sun would go down. Yeah. Um, and there was, it was, it was nighttime shots or fire lit. Mm-hmm. That's when it was gorgeous to me. When for some reason in this world, it is so overlit, even when they're yeah. in the forest, yeah. there's, there's no shadows. Yeah. It robs the image of depth. I, I'm looking at it and it's, it's pretty, and I'm impressed by how far CG has come, but it actually highlights the seams to me even more because there were shots where it looked really last gen. Yeah, it, it really for just sure like bad compositing yep. and things like that are rushed, uh, especially compared to some of the better shots. I could feel um, like I could pick out the hero shots. Yeah, like yep. there would be shots exactly. where they would come out of the water and it's 
beautiful. Yep. Like the water is like coming off naturally off like their body. Like somebody spent two years of their life yep. just on exactly. this shot. And it's all like, yeah. and you could pick out almost the trailer shots because yep. of that. And there would yep. be just moments where like, I was like, oh, that's what they wanted the whole thing to look like. But yep. it was never going to get there because we're yep. not there yet. And it's, you know, jokes aside, it's it's a three hour film. Yeah. And it's, it's over overloaded it's overstuffed you could cut the first hour of this movie off you really could you like, could you could condense that down into 10 minutes of we need to get out we're being a danger to our tribe or like we need to go okay this the events of the first movie happened where there's word that they're coming back yeah we need to go warn other tribes yeah and yeah. so it's just them going and and you like man and i hated how they pigeonhole like like force in the like the previous characters that yeah. have died off and now they're in avatar form. Yeah. Like let's, let's just do new characters yeah. or like we do the, like, cause they bring in this, like we're doing basically it's the whaling industry yeah. in this one. You just have to do that. Yeah. They can go be with this other tribe and yeah. the humans show back up. And now it's this, like they're whaling yeah. and you just have to fend them off. That's uh, such I, a simple, clean story. Yeah. I, I had real problems with the humans. Again, somehow the humans are worse than they were in the first one, because at least in the first one, there was complexity because there was disagreement yeah. in the ranks. Mm -hmm. This one, they're just these, these really one dimensional yep, characters. Uh, poor Eddie Falco. As the the general or the colonel or whatever, yeah. that is one of the worst castings I've seen in a long time. Uh, Stephen Lang as an Avatar like creature did not that that red CG to me the whole time. Yeah, uh, I was not buying. I I could not see Stephen Lang in this character. Hardly at other all. than his voice. Other than his voice. The only and so one, it made it feel more animated. Really, the only one that read for me as an actual performance was Azeli Sedona. Yep. Oh, she's that is incredible. Yeah. Like and, if she reads through it, like you can he see her performance yep. is amazing. But I love that in those moments, especially with her scenes, they take time and actually do just a close-in shot on her yeah. face. Yeah. They don't do that a lot. This mm -hmm. this is a movie where it's designed to show things off. Yeah. And it For takes sure. away the the cinematography, the 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 value of mm -hmm. the art, and it's just look what we can do. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm the first one to complain about if there's an action scene, pull the camera back and let me see what's going on instead of chopping it up with edits. But this is a movie that that just pulls back the whole time because it's like, look what's happening in the world and look what's happening in the background. And some of my favorite visual effects are when they do something incredible, like in The Last of Us, and then they just it's it's blurred out. It's right. out of focus because it tricks your mind into believing it even more. Well, that's the thing with this is like because you they spend so much time away from humans yeah. that you for moments I would get like used to just the completely CG world yeah. and it like, and then they would introduce like a person would show up and then you're re reminded like, oh, that's right. This is us. Like this is supposed to be photorealistic and you're completely like the illusion is completely broken. Yeah. Like I, I wish they had almost just gone for this being a hyper-realistic animated movie. Yeah. And the people, Honestly, were, the people yes. were animated too. It yeah. would have just flowed so much better. Like I, every single time a person showed up, I would be like the spell would be broken yep. on me. Um, uh, it and, and it I was surprised at for the level of CG uh, quality that there was at times. Yeah. I was really surprised how really the compositing 
is just average. Yep. It's it's when it's they're when no they're better putting than the, a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. When they're putting the live action elements for for all I heard about how the water fight at the end of uh, Black Panther is so much worse than the than Avatar's visual effects. No, it's not. No, it's about when the same. when they actually like you said when they're doing the hero shots and when they're at the like I do think the last half hour forty minutes of this has suddenly. Much more weight, yeah. much more uh, ferocity, much more urgency to it. I actually found myself, at least visually, uh, enjoying the last half hour of this. Now, I also watched it in chunks. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it felt that last 40 minutes or whatever felt like an entirely different movie. Now, there's shadow. There's It's not uh, like a night. It's, it's the yeah. sun is setting. Mm-hmm. There's fire. There's smoke. There's water everywhere. Yeah. There's rain. There's... That's when this movie is gorgeous. As soon as you just bathe it in full blast sunlight, it it just looks like a cartoon. Well, that's the same thing that I always accuse, like the Marvel movies yeah. of doing that they're overlit and like flat looking. And yeah. this did it a lot too. Yeah. And uh, uh, something like that drove me insane is that everyone in it, like especially the kids, are speaking in this modern slang. Yep. And it's like, bro, what, cause, bro, cause. And like, why are we doing this? Like, there, there's no intro. Like, there's only a few. Like, uh, Sam Worthington's character is only like person who had human yeah. connection, and he's not speaking like that. So, where the, did they get this from? The boy Spider drove oh, me nuts. God. I could not track one. He was annoying. Yeah. Two. I could not track his motivations nope. at all. This kid would switch mm-hmm. on a dime. Without any real feeling in me as to why he was doing that, um, I overall this this movie was just it was it was surprisingly more disappointing than I thought it would be. But let's play a game. Can I ask you about Spider for a second? Well, hold on. I want you to read your questions to me, and here's what we're <laughs> okay. going to do. We're going to play a little game. Uh-huh. I'm going to pretend. I'm going to try rather. I'm going to try to defend this movie okay. to your questions. Okay. okay. And I will do it short answer. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, but I want to hear your questions because, man, I wish I had thought to do that because the whole time I I felt like the the CinemaSins YouTube video where I'm just like, you know, and he survives this ding <laughs> sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So let's hear some questions, Clint. Okay. This one's related to Spider and you can – Okay. <laughs> My question is, is the human boy spider in blue face? <laughs> is, pass, it, pass. is it culture appropriation? Pass, pass. Okay. Uh, that's actually, that's really funny. I hadn't even thought of that. Because <laughs> um, I just, you know, they're doing a Braveheart thing, but you're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of these, okay, aren't questions. It's just me ranting. <laughs> Okay, Sigourney. Let me, let me attempt. Okay, let to me defend. try to ask this as a question. Are you going to ask about the Sigourney Weaver Christ Child? Sigourney Weaver, just yeah, as a child. Yeah. Like why? I, I defend because it. We, she was in Aliens. Because <laughs> he likes working with Sigourney yeah, that's, Weaver. That's seriously what it feels like. It's I like these people. The kids want to see these people again. I'm going to give the people what they want. I, I can't explain it otherwise. And she does a fine job. It's it's not I, – I feel bad for these actors because I really feel like the actors, other than Eddie Falco, are really giving something. Um, 
Didn't and, and he like just, make them all like do this crazy water training and oh, do yeah. all this underwater? They you're did, gonna get like how old is Sigourney Weaver in her seventies? Yeah. This gonna, is <laughs> this is more than motion capture. If you go and watch five, yeah. like the behind the scenes stuff, way more yeah. engaging than the movie. The behind the scenes stuff really goes into like they're in actual water tanks doing this stuff with motion capture. Um, you know, that's that's really cool to me. But for as much as these actors went through. Like, what hits the screen, I don't believe the motion capture made that much better than if it was just animated. There were only a couple shots where I could see the influence of that. There was, like, the one where... When they're swimming underwater with the whales. Swimming underwater or when he's on the thing, on the the creature and it like does You're going to have to be more specific. (laughs) No, I'm (laughs) going to be. so many creatures they're uh, on. What's what's our main character's name? Uh, Sam Worthington's character. Jake Sully, which they say in full every time he's on screen. This is how it just interesting. Jake Sully is on. He's first learning how to do ride one of those, the the creature that like goes, you know, it's kind of like the the flying fish thing. And- you can it like has that very much like GoPro look yeah. where it's like following his movements. You could see that yeah. influence of yeah. it being a motion capture. Like there was moments like that that were kind of fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so um how did they learn to breathe so quickly underwater? It was so fast. <laughs> it was so quick. Like this it, is it not natural really to them, but it was okay. Really quick. Okay, I, I, I do uh, just just to pause and say something I did really like. Yeah, I liked that the water tribe weren't just water dwellers; that they actually looked different. They had a different culture. I, I'm not saying it was the greatest design or the greatest, you know, cultural detailing, um, but I I thought it was cool that they you got the feeling they had been living there for a long, long, long time, enough that it affected their physiology. I thought yeah, that that's what cool. I'm wondering if, like, do they evolve a little quicker or was it, like, that they were... But because, like, they can... They're speaking same language. Yeah. So yeah. that means that they've had... English. Well, well Hunt for Red was, October English, actually. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's where it zooms in and then turns into English they, for us. That was so, like, when they did that moment yeah. of, like, oh, it's in, like, I've been here so long. Like, uh-huh. I'm so used to it. It's almost like I'm speaking, hearing English, and it does that yeah. change. Yeah. Oh, okay. That drove me nuts. Um, <laughs> okay. So for the soldier Navi avatars, did they have to make special douchebag <laughs> army gear for them, like Oakleys that wrap yep. around? They yep. had to make big yep. versions. Yep. Because like this guy's like, I yep. gotta have Oakleys. Yep. Yep. Just make sure when you recreate my body, yeah. you also recreate I gotta have my Oakleys. Yeah. yeah. That oh, drew- and my goodness was James Carr. James Carr, James Cameron hankering for the alien days. Yeah. And just that whole thing. Yeah. It just felt like, um, yes, James Cameron. It just felt like, like, <laughs> I was man, for my own, you, not for you, you really. You really miss aliens and, yeah. and what you did back then. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I can't, honestly, I can't believe this is the same filmmaker. It just yeah. it blows my mind that the guy who made aliens is also the guy who made Avatar Way of the Water. Was the whaling scene supposed to be disturbing or do you think he was kind of like enjoying doing that scene? I couldn't track because there was a lot of delight with those inflatables. I know. There was so much delight um, in the details of it. Like yeah. that and like how the guy was explaining it all yeah. that it almost felt like very like we're, we're really um, – what's the word? Like indulging in yeah. this this – act also alien whale blubber just pauses human aging 
just stops it. They it's, literally say that at one point. It just stops it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just stops it. Well, I, I kind of <laughs> like that detail because it is ambergris or whatever it's called. It's a, it's a real thing that they take from whales yes. to use in makeup. I I like the detail. I yeah. get what they were going or for. Agree. I but can't this was the another one of those lofty sci-fi concepts that they mention in a line, and they're like, "It makes yeah. humans immortals." Moving on, right? Like, excuse me. Why is anyone caring about unobtainium if there are whales on this planet that makes you immortal? Exactly. That's why I thought like that. Just let's just make this the story arc of this story. Yeah. Like it, that yeah. we found this new thing. We tried the mineral. Now like, we're back for we, the like this planet is even richer than we thought. We yeah. have this other thing. Um, so yeah. You're so disappointed with your own question. No, I, I'm so disappointed. Not your questions, yeah. but what it's reminding you of. Yeah. If if you could see Clint right now, Clint is this entire time having a much more pronounced emotional reaction to having watched this film than I expected. Really, the rest are all things I've already said. Like, <laughs> okay. it's like they're not, they're just things I've already mentioned. Yeah. So is to remember. I uh, honestly, I, it it shocks me. And at the same time, it does not shock me that this no. movie made $2 billion yeah. and that people love this. We live in the era, not to harp on these movies, but we live in the era where Fast and the Furious is about to have its 10th franchise entry. Yeah. And you can enjoy those movies, but that's exactly what this felt like. This felt like an, an overactioned, overhyped, over CG'd sort of just give the kids what they want because they'll show up at the theater mm-hmm. if we give them that. And and I think blood, sweat, and tears went into this thing. For sure. And that makes me sadder. It makes me sadder that people slaved at this and have really given their all and have made incredible strides in visuals and different things like that, all for a really paper-thin story with really one-dimensional characters, like all the basics of of cinema that has nothing to do with advancements in technology. Yeah. This movie swings and misses. Right. Uh, and it's just such an afterthought. This is the prequels uh, from Star Wars all over again. Mm-hmm. So. That's another thing. It's like you're saying, like they put blood, sweat, and tears and like all of their acting ability behind it and stuff. But like that was the thing with the motion capture, going back to that for a second, like – and with all the characters, except for moments with Zoe Saldana's character, that's completely lost. Yeah. So, like, all these actors could have just not been there. Like, yeah. you could have had just trained motion capture actors if you really just wanted the body, like, movements. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of it's in the performances alone, like, facial performances, and yeah. that is just not there. And, well, and again, it's a wide shot. So, you yeah. don't get – it could be there. Right. Like, if you go into yeah. the 8K, you know – 112 trillobyte uh, file, maybe it's all kinds of detail. Um, but but once you pull the camera back and you have this wide shot, none of that matters. Uh, if, if it just reads as like, okay, yeah, those are CG people. Especially with like Sigourney Weaver, it's clearly yeah. like it, it's the person, like the character doesn't resemble her at all other than her voice. And then like the- Oh, the, you couldn't see her face in that? Just I kept a little, see, it, it's a tiny, distracting end, I kept seeing her face. A, a little bit, but yeah. like body-wise, you oh, could yeah, just no. do a facial, like, yeah. and also like I wouldn't be able to pick out like the, the kids who did the 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 kids in the movie, like yeah. the younger, um, his, his sons and yeah. daughter, like- well, that was so Oh, yeah. Kate Weaver. Winslet is the, yeah, the Water I, Tribe Queen. There's no and way. she does great. I yeah. just, I would have never known that. I didn't know that until yeah. after seeing it. Um, 
All right. Uh, well, just just to prevent poor Clint from having an aneurysm, <laughs> let's move on to the movie we're all here for, the new 2020 uh, created, 2023 released version of Children of the Corn, which, God help me, I said to Clint, why don't we watch this? You were enthusiastic I really about was it. Yeah. because I have memories of the original Children of the Corn, yeah. and we both watched that. We can talk about that sort of intermingled with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will tell you right up front, I was kind of shocked when I went back and watched the original Children of the Corn mm-hmm. because my memory, my childhood <laughs> memory of that movie is not what that movie uh-huh. is. Had it been a long time since you'd seen it? Long time. Okay. Yeah, I think the last time I saw it, I was I was literally a teenager. Okay. And I remember thinking that was that was one of my I knew it wasn't great, but it was one of my Stephen King like, oh, they got it right. Uh-huh. Oof. But anyway, <laughs> this new Children of the Corn uh from director Kurt Wimmer. Does that name ring a bell? Because he did uh Equilibrium. Re- he did the remake and, of Total Recall yes. and uh Point Break. Yes. Uh this is one that that sort of got briefly delayed and lost in COVID hell. Mm. Uh but here, here we go. Children of the Corn is a 2020 produced, 2023 released American supernatural slasher film written and directed by Kurt Wimmer. It stars, oh, that's not even the plot. That's because this movie is plotless. So apparently some people wander into some corn and there's some (laughs) weird god of the corn in there and the kids turn evil. They want to kill all the adults. And this sort of serves as more of a prequel to the original Children of the Corn, even though there's no real ties to it. So I... I don't think it's actually but it's a modern prequel. day prequel. Yeah, but you know the the original Children of the Corn is here are these adults stumbling across, whereas this is about the kids first falling into evil under yeah. the influence of this really really literal corn monster <laughs> uh, that's that's in the cornfield. Clint, what did you think of what I am highly regretting? recommending or or suggesting Children of the Corn 2023. I would just say off the bat, I do not suggest this to anybody. Anyone. Don't don't watch this movie. Actually, can I can I say something? Unless okay, go I'm ahead. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. No, no, you. I'm fine. I interrupt you all the time. Did you notice? Let's see. Did you notice how weirdly MAGA this film is? <laughs> I'm serious. Okay. So all the evil kids yeah. care about nature. Uh-huh. And they care about the corn uh-huh. and they care about, you know, the livelihood of the oh, natural crops. yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, that Monsanto has poisoned uh-huh. and big business is poisoned. Okay, I'm, I'm following. That, that goes off MAGA. But then it roars back when it's like the adults are the victims and their children just want change. And these poor adults <laughs> are getting murdered by these kids who just want change and are worried about their environment. And I started, once I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, is, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for like Donald Trump Jr.'s name to pop uh-huh, up in the executive producer, producer yeah. or something. Okay. I, I was just curious because man, <laughs> it, there is a way to really have a good time with this movie and it's to go into it looking for, uh, the the MAGA undercurrent because yeah, yeah. it is there in force. Yeah, I can. De- I, I I noticed the very like the 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 girl as very. Um, she was very much like left leaning, like where I care about society. There's other ways, and yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but th- it's just like I feel like just the overall like narrative of this. And the story arc and like the characters are just so flat. Like there's like almost like it feels like at times like nothing is being said or 
is happening at all. It just goes like, okay, the kids are bad. Okay, we're going to kill all the adults now. Okay, there's a corn monster. Okay, yep. conclusion. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is, I, I haven't seen a movie this, like, there There was a certain breed of direct-to-video film yeah. that came out in the late 90s and early 2000s. And it was a very specific you know, one in a thousand might actually be good, but it was a specific tone. It was a specific style. It was a specific look. Um, this is that movie. And it's like I haven't seen one of these in a long time because usually those are still there yeah. in tone and spirit, mm -hmm. but they at least look the part. Yeah. And then you realize as soon as you start watching like, oh, this is really clunky or oh, okay, yeah. this is one of those. Like it's ticking boxes, like yeah. the, for what it needs to be. But like, I I don't ever claim that like when I'm watching a movie that I'm the best at picking out like poor dialogue in a mm -hmm. movie. Like it's maybe something I'm not the most attuned to or like I it's, I care about. But this one I could definitely pick out how poorly written it is yeah. in yeah. just like the like conversations the kids are having with each other or points to like especially that early scene with the daughter where yeah. she's like talking about um, the corn and talking about how there might be this fungus on it. I don't want to go in there because there might be this thing that takes over my brain. And it's like, oh, that's clearly maybe coming back later or like yeah. it, it doesn't really, but it's the same time. It's like, that sounds like dialogue written to set up a point may li Yo. later on. Yeah. Um, well, and that I, I'm trying to think who wrote it. I had written it down. Uh, you know, I, I apologize to that person if they really poured into it, but this is this really feels like a script written by like Chat GPT, yeah. <laughs> uh, just round one, draft one, uh, just whatever the the AI generates out. Like, write me a Children of the Corn movie. Here we go, guys. Let's film it. It just ooh, it it is so rough. I was even like real time texting you for probably <laughs> the first half hour I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, oh, Clint, maybe no, maybe oh, no. Clint, this is so bad, Clint. This is. <laughs> This is real bad. And I'm not even, I don't even think I was giving you specifics. No, no, no. It was just the sheer horror. Yeah. I didn't expect this to be great. I didn't mm -hmm. expect it, but I thought it would be competently written and made and, and sort of a Stephen King throwback. And oh my goodness. Go ahead. And it, like, it felt like it was at the same time, once it gets into like them killing off the, the parents and the, the adults and stuff, it just feels like unnecessarily like, Brutal, but also like not in an interesting way, like no. where it's doing that thing that horror movies where we're trying to be creative. I cracked up laughing when all the adults were in the hole mm -hmm. and they started filling it in because I'm <laughs> like, that's a real big hole. Now, I, I worked construction for the summers. I had the same So thought. maybe I'm biased here yeah. just because I know how much time it would take for sure to fill that large of a space. And dig it out. And the whole time... You would just like as it poured in, you'd climb on top of it. You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's no threat in that scene whatsoever. And they play it up like it's the shallow grave that a giant bulldozer is like pouring dirt into. And well, it just I had, it was so funny to me. Oh yeah. And when they like introduce the hole where the kids are like painting the roots with blood, <laughs> and it's like, where did they get this hole from that's right yeah. convenient by yeah. the root? Like they okay, yeah. these kids dug out this giant hole. Um, and the older sister, like from the beginning, as soon as you walk up and they're making a kid walk a plank from a high height into corn stalks, <laughs> yeah. you should Very be high. panicking. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's going to impale a kid. 
And and the ease with which just like, oh, kids being kids and all right, you guys stop it. Someone's going to get just how are you not freaking out right now? And how quickly the brother just like he turned on yeah. a dime of like, OK, I'm in on this. Yeah. And um, I I wanted to know is because I, I haven't seen any of the sequels or anything. Mm-hmm. Did the gas have something to do? Like, was that because no. like, they kept bringing it up? Like this, like we gassed these, like this kid with this stuff that killed all the other kids, and like they're no. using the gas again. Like they that made it- was that was my first hint at MAGA. Yeah, it was it was school shootings. Oh, okay. And then what do what do our little liberal kids that love the environment do? They want to gas the adults. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it just little things like that. It kept feeling like. And this is weirdly political. And there was a very like Texas um like sheriff who did yep. that and he was defending it. Like what's yep. his name? That Alpera Alpira, whatever his yep. name was. Yeah. Like that was very yeah, yeah that was very it MAGA. Was, and and there were times it was like MAGA, there were other times it felt liberal, but then I was yeah. like, Well, what is this movie? Uh, are they just is are they just trading off between somebody on the right and somebody on the left and they're making different scenes because I I couldn't track the politics but the politics were definitely there mm-hmm. and in the end I'm like no no this is this is this is super conservative it was it was just it was straight it almost felt like um uh, one of the Christian movies mm. that they make where it's just yeah because yeah. that's what I started thinking at first. There is some super ultra conservative Texas Christian mm-hmm. uh, that is behind this movie. So I was shocked when it was Kurt Wimmer. I was just like, oh, wait, that's the, that's the guy from Equilibrium. And then that made me go back and think about Equilibrium and just like, wait a minute. <laughs> was, was that was that political? Um, you know, because I just always thought it was kind of a Fahrenheit 4 or 5 whatever yeah. kind of spin. But anyway. Now, I wanted um, to know if you had – okay, so I afterwards sent you a meme I made. Yes, you did. Of <laughs> – so they introduce this like creature, this monster that lives that comes from the corn that Groot which corn. They, they're so literal, gritty corn. Yeah, and it looks exactly like Groot yeah, from um, Guardians of, of the Galaxy. And so I sent you this meme. That just <laughs> so great. It was Groot with just a bunch of really crappy corn yep. glued to him, and it just said, "I am corn." <laughs> Maybe we'll put that up on our Instagram. A hundred percent. Why didn't I think of that? Yes, yeah. we definitely should. But like that's once it was like in my mind yeah. and oh my gosh, uh, I couldn't unsee it. But <laughs> one of the things that was so I made, I didn't make, but I, I had to watch this mm-hmm. and then in Avatar and yeah. I gave Jenny the option. I was like, okay, so do you want to watch Children of the Corn? Which she liked the original. Yeah. And so she had hopes or Avatar, which she was like, no, I do not care about Avatar. I'm not going to watch a three-hour Avatar movie. So she watched this and she was like, this is terrible. This is one of the worst things. And so she came down, like the movie was over. She went and took a shower and came back downstairs. And she was like, so did did the corn monster to you look like Groot from a... And I was like, did this, I held up my phone with that picture. And I was like, does this answer your question? Because I sent this to Ken in the, while you were upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. It but I was, was, I was so funny that she had the exact same, like we didn't say it out loud, but yeah. she, we had the same thought. So what do you think of the original when you went back and watched it? Oh, okay. Because it was your first time watching it, right? No. No? Oh, I had okay. watched it for the first time a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Um, and 
It was one like, and I didn't have the uh, luxury of like, it was something from my youth that I Mm -hmm. felt fondly for. Um, So I kind of saw all the cracks from the beginning. I will say that like, it's still so much more enjoyable than this one. Um, I, you can identify with the adults coming in, like Linda, Linda Hamilton is fun, like at that point in her career. And um, just seeing them going into the situation blind and like encountering it it gives you a window into this into this situation oh and it works so much better because the kids have already done what they've done right they're already they're coming into mm -hmm. the aftermath of it instead of having to sit through an hour of watching the kids execute and take over this town and it's so much cleaner in the original that like you kind of know where they're coming from that like it's this little it's like a weird religious cult that these children formed and there's this head like pastor kid at the top of, of it leading yeah. the way so you kind of have a groundwork of like understanding how it works even though it's still vague um and like this one like the original the original one actually compared to the new one has suspense yeah. there's suspense built into it rather than just ultra gore like for the sake yeah. of like we're going to show like a guy getting his eyes ripped out and it's not immediately clear in the original one i mean it, it happens yeah. pretty early but it's not immediately clear if it's a supernatural right exactly uh, force or it, it if wor- it's just crazy cult kids and for me it works so much better as not yeah. a supernatural thing like i it, i would prefer if it went back to like was that also a stephen king that um one where the people get the lost tall grass. the tall grass no, that's uh joe it's his son joe hill oh it's a joe hill okay yeah. i w- i pr- would prefer if the this was more that yeah. Like where like there was at the center, like these these adults get lost in the corn and there's this group yeah. of kids who have started this like society in there uh, in their own religion yeah. based around the corn. Even and if the, the corn had spread around the town. Yeah, and yeah. every time they go out into the corn, it just brings them right back into the right, town. Right, right. Like that kind of thing would be yeah. more like fun and mysterious rather than yeah. blatantly supernatural that there's this being at the middle of it like – coercing yeah. the kids into doing the things they're doing. I I felt like this was one that wanted to be relevant and say something. Yeah. I, I could not get away from that. Whereas the original, for all of its faults, it's at least taking its cues from, from the Stephen King story. The Stephen King story is even simpler. Yeah. It's literally just adults roll into a town, kids take them captive, uh, I could swear now I'm doubting myself, but I could swear like both adults die at the end. It's, it's one okay. of those, and then the kids and the weird demon in the corn win. Yeah. Yeah. The end. It's, it's a very kind of ABC classic horror short story. Yeah. Almost more like Wicker Man, mm. uh, in, in that way. Um, but, yeah, if maybe but the it, movie takes a little more time and, and you can feel it trying to plot out and, and fill in. Uh, pad some time. Yeah. In the original too, like the kids are genuinely creepy yeah. and like unnerving and like you really can't tell if they're actually just like adults acting like kids yeah. or I, I think I wouldn't mind the supernatural angle. Like if it was kind of like you're saying in the story and it was more vague, almost like a midsummer yeah. kind of thing. Yep. Like that would be really cool. Um, Especially if you're holding back the, oh, it really is supernatural until the very, very right. end. And then not with a corn monster. <laughs> Um, you know, resurrect a kid from the dead or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. give me something that's yeah. clearly supernatural, but not so literal. Yeah. 
I think the only thing about the original that like just the effects just really are pretty yeah. qu- don't hold up at all. Yeah. The effects m- don't hold up. And for me in the original, the two little kids that are yeah. helping the adults, I find very grating yeah. and unnecessary. Um, I do like that that there are the, these two kids who have not fallen into the trap. Of the I do thing. like that. That, that yes. I like. Yeah, I, I do like that. It's just, it's one of those, it almost starts to feel like, is this their movie? Is this the adults movie? Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. They're, it, here it is. It's the 80s movie where they form a found family and I, get away <laughs> from the evil. <laughs> I also just like kept like, man, they're driving around in that car with a dead kid in their trunk for so long. A long and time. It's just there. It feels like a forgotten plot. Yeah, element. yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like they get over it so quick and they're joking around and like, yeah. guess they're not remembering the dead kid. Also, if I ever hit a kid, even if I have to go for help, I'm not putting that kid in my trunk. No, I'm no. sorry. Unless I thought he's still alive or, you know what I mean? And then I'm not putting him in the trunk. No, put him in the back back seat. seat. Exactly. You don't want to look like you purposely killed this kid and you're hiding it. Yeah. So, (sighs) oh, well. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Skip skip Children of the Corn. Uh, I will say. The original is worth going. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, Next to the Children of the Corn remake uh, or whatever this 2023 monstrosity is, Avatar is everything everywhere all at once. (laughs) Um, so on to our Sinatron pick, Mr. Harrigan's Phone. This was released on Netflix in 2022. It's based on a more recent, uh, Stephen King, uh, novella. It's about Craig, a young boy who befriends an elderly billionaire named John Harrigan. Craig gives him a mobile phone. How sweet. However, when the man dies, Craig discovers that he can communicate with the old man from the grave. Uh, this is from director John Lee Hancock. Clint, what did you think of uh, Mr. Harrigan's phone? Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna purposely try to say uh, Mr. Hardigan. Uh, Harshigan. Harshigan. Harmigan. I'm gonna say his name differently every single time. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm only getting it right because I'm staring at it in print on my screen. So, well. Um, I well directed by yeah you said John Lee Hancock John who Lee also Hancock. directed the Rookie the Blind mm-hmm. Side and the Founder yeah this and is a bunch an of other things interesting uh, choice for him yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that like I was curious because I'm always kind of curious about these Stephen King um, kind of like Netflix movies because like there have been a handful of good ones yeah. um, so I and I actually I do really like that uh, Jaden Martell who plays Craig like from yeah. he, from the It movie. I actually think he's I actually really like him. He's a really natural young actor. Yeah, I believe him. Me too. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm watching performance for with sure. Him. I always believe like like if he's sad or you know yeah. all he has a range of emotions in his acting that I actually can um, enjoy and yeah I, yeah because yeah, his... he plays Bill in in It. Mm-hmm. And also in uh, the first Knives Out, he plays the little douchey, like <laughs> the, the right wing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's and he's fun in that. Yeah. Um, I will say the first, I'd say like hour of this movie, mm-hmm. I was pretty invested in this. I actually really kind of cared for his relationship with Mister Hardigan, Mister Hurrigan, Mister He again, mm-hmm. and I, um, I, I was actually invested in that part, and it actually. I keep. I think I keep seeing actually a lot. That's, I don't think so. Um, I usually notice that stuff. Oh uh, well, he. It, it felt very kind of Stephen King in that way, like almost um, some aspect of it reminded me of, of like oh, what, what's the jail movie? I'm going. I'm going to get 
the um green mile yeah no not the green mile um, <laughs> not the green mile you're no, so angry I, when you I said that i haven't seen that in a long time oh, to okay. reference that oh shawshank redemption mm-hmm. there is some aspect of it where like the character building in that where you kind of get a really sense of their relationship um and the i really liked that this old man was kind of as hard as he was in like he was warming up to this kid and that how he this devoted this kid becomes to him and yeah. how he kind of I, I actually enjoyed that part um i think it kind of started losing me once it gets into the more supernatural aspect of it mm-hmm. and it becomes very kind of generic it almost gets kind of monkey's paw yeah and and honestly the story did too this okay. is not it it was in a collection i said novella but i think it's actually in a collection short story. If, i think it's okay. in if it bleeds okay. which is a collection of short stories and this is kind of a one of those just lighter mm-hmm. fair stories that come in between oh, some right. darker material yeah. uh just kind of a breather palate yeah. cleanser um you know so it was it was never one that just read as a like wow that one really hit me it was just one of those cool little creepy stories right. kind of a what if kind of yeah, thing yeah 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 um, I, and I didn't really, uh, the, the like school bullying aspect of it felt kind of cliche yeah. and like, I did, I wasn't super in, in, like, it wasn't doing much new with that aspect of it. Um, it just felt like I've seen that many, many times before. And it, it pops up a lot. It, I mean, it already pops up in Stephen King stuff, yeah. but for some reason, Stephen King adaptations, film and TV, really emphasize it more than the books do Mm. like it's present in the books yeah but other than something like it where it's a central part of the story right he doesn't spend a lot of time in it it's just to to help you kind of connect to this uh younger character and make you feel for him and and help you to know they're the underdog Mm -hmm. in life um but he, he doesn't dwell on it a lot whereas it feels like and maybe it's just because it's suddenly realized visually it's just like okay we get it and you know Yes, kid is bullied. Moving along, right, right. So I, I, I think the fifty percent of this movie I was on board with, yeah. and then it gets very like paint by numbers, where like okay, he's got to go. He calls him up and he goes and kills somebody off for him. Yeah. And even though he's first not fully convinced that he has anything to do with these deaths, um, but by the end it was like he's actually using this to wield the sword of. Yeah. Uh, of Mr. Hardigan. Harrigan. <laughs> Horrigan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, it was fine. Yeah. I didn't I, regret it. I came away the exact same way. I came away with a, it. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, there, there's nothing particularly bad about this movie. Um, it does. One of the one of the big differences that I was pleased with mm-hmm. is in the King book, uh, the kid remembers his mom a little bit. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't give you much there at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, it, it it gives you much more of the idea that uh, this poor kid remembers his mom and it's really heavy on his mind. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good way instead of plot padding or filler, um, just to kind of expand some emotional depth for the character. It would have been terrible if not for the right casting. Right, um, yeah. Of uh, what's, what's the young actor's name? You said it. Jane Martell? Yeah. I really like it. You know, I like Donald Sutherland. Oh, is yeah. great. Yeah. Like as the old, like old man. Um, I've noticed with it, this is this is fitting. I'm developing these patterns. The more uh-huh. we talk about <laughs> Stephen King adaptations, uh, a lot of these the main characters are great and dead on, and they're cast really mm. well. And then the minute you leave that that main, mm-hmm. uh, Mister Harrigan and Craig, mm-hmm. 
it drops off dramatically. as, as how they're written, as how they're portrayed, they get very one-dimensional very quickly. Yeah. And that's one thing that you don't get, even in King's short stories, it always feels like, even if you're not being given the information, it feels like he has a a fully developed character mm-hmm. that's in front of you. And I, I think that's one of the things that bother me. Or maybe that's just one of the things that separate the good adaptations from the bad adaptations. When you watch uh, Shawshank Redemption. Right. All of those characters have history, and mm-hmm. they feel lived in, and they feel like they've been around. Even if you know nothing about them, you you feel even if they're one dimensional, even if right. it's the you know what's his name guard on the roof that's ready to throw him off uh, before he finds out he can do tax work for him. Right, like, it, even that guy yeah. feels like I bet he's a good guy at home. Mm-hmm. I bet he cares about his wife, and I bet this is his. The version of him at this prison. Mm-hmm. And Stephen King's stories really do that well. And, and I'm wondering if the, the adaptations that really work are the ones that do that too. And then you go to something like The New Children of the Corn. It does not have any of that. No, there's no depth to any characters there's in no that depth, movie. <laughs> there's no arc. Everybody is this. And that's not based on, I mean, it's loosely based on a story. Right. Um, but even when you watch the original Children of the Corn, especially with Linda Hamilton, mm-hmm. I understand who she is. I understand what's going on there. Uh, even the the two main kids, um, Malachi and uh, right. yeah. uh, whatever the Like their interplay between each other. Like, yeah. I get their dynamic. Yeah. I get where they've come from. I, a power I can even there. sort of imagine how they were raised mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And so um, anyway, all of that is to say that that was kind of my big thing that I felt was lacking in this. I think the main thrust of the story him going in the or it going in the supernatural direction and him sort of taking on this thing with more intention, mm-hmm. I think would have been more effective if it really started to hurt people in his life that he cared about and you cared about. Right. Uh, and he had to choose to pull away from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so in the book, the the whole Mr. Harrigan angle is also you don't get the sense that that he has a dark side. Yeah. You just get the sense that he's a, a grumpy old man. Mm-hmm. And this, it has much more of a, there's there's something sinister there. He's he's good to Craig, but, you know, there's a reason that, that this stuff takes on such a dark tone. I kind of like the angle of how they painted him as dark. It was mm-hmm. never like this physical, ominous thing. It was just yeah. that he had a questionable past in yeah. business. Yeah. Like he was ruthless in business. Yeah. Like, so I like that, that he, he was just kind of disliked for that reason and um didn't you know because of how he made his money he didn't have people around him to love him because he just basically pushed everyone away i'm glad it wasn't like yeah he had this dark past where he was a killer or something well and that would be very apt pupil yeah you know just very oh he's the former nazi and and honestly i actually really like apt pupil uh i watched have you ever seen that yeah i i watched that again it's more dated than i remembered Mm -hmm. it but I do like that story. Um, but I was I was glad even when reading this story before I even watched the movie. I was glad this wasn't just a retread of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because that would have that would have felt very samey. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. It was fine, uh, and it's on Netflix, so that makes it easier if you have nothing else to watch. Just you know, cue it up, and I don't know. Maybe you'll enjoy it more than me. Yeah, maybe hopefully. you won't. Maybe you'll hate it. I'm sorry. Uh, so Avatar: Way of Water, man. I. I really genuinely am jealous of people who like this movie. I wish I could watch a movie like this and be excited. Mm-hmm. But just, I mean, I had zero emotional connection to it. 
The only part of it I even sort of enjoyed was the last half hour. Uh, and even that was more visual. And because I felt like, okay, here's finally the action director from Aliens and Terminator 2. Um, I feel like the um, that whole last sequence where they are taking down like the whaling ship and yeah. stuff was done a lot better than I will say like a Marvel. There was yeah. a lot more detail yeah. and kind of um, interest in like how this would happen. Like it was more creative than yeah. I was there expecting. Was, there was more diverse things yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, And it almost had kind of that Return of the Jedi classic, oh, there's a space battle, a planet battle, and an and a intense personal battle. This yeah. had a lot of that that it could cut back and forth between. Yeah, I, I thought that section was actually done pretty yeah. well, well yeah. and I enjoyed that section. I just wish that maybe up to that point, it yeah. was at that level of creativity. So yeah. Avatar, save yourself the trouble, skip the first hour, and just enjoy the last eight hours and 47 minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um Children of the Corn, the new one, wow. Don't even think you can find a good time in this. Just avoid it at avoid all costs. It, yeah. The original Children of the Corn has some good stuff to it. It's it's definitely an 80s throwback. And uh, it if you love 80s horror, uh, you know, it it has its its little delights. Uh and then Mr. Harrigan's phone. Uh it, it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's good. If you're big on adaptations, this is a pretty faithful adaptation of of King and um it's fine. The acting's good. Acting's good. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's fine. All right. Cinetron. What's Cinetron going to have for us this week? Let's spin it up. <laughs> Let's spin it up, Ken. Like Let's spin it up. I think I got something hopeful and maybe a little bit better than anything Ooh. we've talked about this week. Maybe okay. not. Okay. I haven't seen this movie yet, right. but it seems promising. And this is a little movie from, uh, when did this come out? Let's see. Um, 2022. Okay. And uh, it's called Duel. Oh, okay. I I actually, normally I try not to tell you where I lean on a movie that yeah. I've already seen when Cinetron spins it up, I really enjoyed this. Awesome. I, I'm looking forward uh, this, to it. This is, I'm actually looking forward to re-watching it. Yeah. Because maybe it just caught me on a good night, mm -hmm. so don't hate me if it's bad. No. But this is from the guy who did... Um, Safety Not Guaranteed. No, yeah, no, 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 no. The, the karate one. Yeah. Uh, the, oh, um, it's a similar... Um, oh, I love that movie. What was it? It was so funny. Uh, oh, The Art of Self-Defense. Yes. I love The Art of Self-Defense. Yeah. And Duel has that exact same style, tone, uh, line delivery performances. It's it's really fun. Awesome. Um, which, considering it's it's kind of a, a weird sci-fi concept, it just plays it as down-to-earth as possible. Because everybody in that movie just acts like it's totally normal. That in this <laughs> world, you could be cloned and you have to fight your, your duplicate uh, to the death if your duplicate declares that they're a real person. And they don't want to just, you know be your duplicate. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what you think of this. 
Uh, this is a really fun movie. It has once what's her name that played Amy Pond, mm-hmm. and uh, what's his name that played Jesse Pinkman, and uh, all the what's Karen his Gillan. Names. Yeah, all the what's his names uh, are Karen in Karen Gillian and um, oh goodness, man. See, this is at the end of an episode. I am just so brain dead. One second, you know Jesse. You know Jesse Pink. Yeah. You don't know it either, do you? Uh, uh, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I look forward to it. That'll be a good one. I think, uh, at the very least, that'll be fun to talk about. And like I said, I don't, I don't mind re-watching that one. We should do a, a whole – a too bad we already talked about um, – oh, we, last week we talked about it. Do a, movie, a bunch of movies that are all twins. <laughs> so it would have been what, – yeah. oh, what was the Cronenberg we did last week? Uh, Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers. Yeah. We could have done, done Dead, Dead Ringers. We could have – Missed opportunity. Yeah. Man. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> but uh, you can, as always, find us at www.cinebabblecast.com. I have been having trouble getting it to update like it's supposed to. So if an episode goes up late on there, I'm sorry. But – uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, any of the the places that you uh, you purvey for for podcasts, and uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Cinebabble, um, and you can send us messages there. Or, I mean, I guess if you know Clint personally, you can just directly <laughs> send him full criticisms of his co-host uh, directly to him. And so, once again, I would like to apologize to all the Rambo Three fans out there who I uh, inadvertently trashed your childhood. I promise you Rambo 3 is a, a beautiful part of my childhood, and I'm actually really, really excited that I get to return to the fold and, and enjoy it once again without feeling guilty at all. I needed to... Ha- Matt was having sleepless nights because of that, so I Had needed... Have you watched Rambo 3? A long time ago. Okay, not not to pander to Matt here, but seriously, it is a fun movie. Yeah. It is full 90s, mm-hmm. uh, but it is a fun movie. Um, it just... It's it's got great stuff, and I remember as a kid, man, anything where somebody can take down a full attack helicopter mm-hmm. with an explosive bow and arrow, mm, yeah, man, you're on board. That was just action figure heaven to me <laughs> when I was a kid. So now I'm excited to go back and watch it again. Nice. I've avoided it for years. Oh well, welcome back. I am. I am. I'm. In fact, I'm going to what you watch in Rambo Three next episode. And uh, God help me if I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, God help you. Matt will be all over you. Seriously. Seriously. All right. Well, thanks as always for listening. This has been episode 78 of Cinebabble. We are rolling up on episode 80, followed by episode 100 at some point. Crazy, Clint. Crazy on numbers. Whoever thought we would do this. Uh, We're also going to guest on another podcast this week. We're going to take Possum over there and talk about Possum. Uh, and so, uh, we'll, we'll let you know where that's going to be and you can check that out as well. Clint's very nervous. I have done it before, so I am not so nervous, but I keep telling Clint, there's nothing to be nervous about, Clint. Let me be nervous. I have to Don't be, be nervous, Clint. Let me be nervous. Don't be nervous. It's over at Syndicate. The guy's really nice. You'll have a good time. I promise. Okay. I would, continue. I would not lead you astray. You have before. I wouldn't and lead you, will you into continue. the, I would Just not look at this lineup of movies we did this podcast. This we, is course, not my fault. This is okay. all your fault. <laughs> I, we had to talk about Avatar. We couldn't continue to just harp on it without actually watching it. I'm sorry. We had to take one for the Cine team. We just. Was Cinetron like saying things to you that no. like we had to? No. Because he didn't say anything to me. No. I, I know. I, I really wanted to enjoy the movie. I really did. You I know wanted, what though? Wanted to. Those mechs, they were pretty sexy. <laughs> they look so bad. <laughs>
that was the most CG poor composited. I those that was actually some of the worst effects for me. Yeah, were the mechs and the the people suits. Did you um, love when uh, was it? Is it Eddie Falco is drinking coffee with it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> And then they can't figure out how to make it work. And so they just mask it with the full CG fist of this thing. And the whole time, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so how does she now close that distance? Because it's out here, but what's she doing with her actual hand to make it? Give her a drink, but it really fell apart. Yeah, that it sort of made me question, like, how does that thing even work? Yep. What, is, like, oh, she's not holding the coffee yeah. cup. The thing is, <laughs> what is... would have been really funny <laughs> is if she went and she mimicked the drink and it just smashed <laughs> into her face because of the distance. It issue. would have been funny if she had a coffee cup in her hand and it had a, <laughs> and it had a big coffee cup in its hand with a big mouth over top of her. <laughs> We are making Avatar oh, better. Oh, man. I'm on board for that Let movie. us write the next just Avatar. Go in and just go into the, the black bars and just extend that image for us, Clint. Meme, meme away. I'll meme it. And I am corn. All right, Clint. This is episode 78 of Cinebabble. It has uh, been a good time as always. I will talk to you later. Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint. Bye, Clint.